Ladies and gentlemen, sports fans alike, welcome to another edition of Bill Swirsky's Sports Talk Chicago. One of the couple, two, three best podcasts around. So sit back, grab yourself a cold one and a pole of sausage, park your keister in the front room, and listen to Bill Swirsky's Sports Talk Chicago. In Chicago, you know that all sports rock. The Bears, Hawks, Bulls, Cubs, and Sox. Pick your favorite, you can choose as long as the... Packers lose for everything you need to know. It's Bill Swarski Sports Talk Chicago. Bill Swarski Sports Talk Chicago. Hey everybody, welcome to another edition of Bill Swarski Sports Talk Chicago. This is your hosts Alex and Sean. On this episode, we are going to be talking about something rare, something you haven't heard us talk about in a long time: <clears throat> a Chicago Bears regular season victory. We will be talking about that because it's a real thing. It exists. But first, I'd like to thank our sponsor, the Rockford Ice Hogs. If you're not familiar with the Rockford Ice Hogs, they're the AHL minor league affiliate of the Chicago Blackhawks. What does that mean for you? You could see the stars of tomorrow today at family-friendly affordable prices. Season will be starting very soon. So make sure you head on over to icehogs.com. Get yourself a hat, shirt, jersey, tickets, and more. Tell them Swirsky Sports sent you. Alex, how are we feeling about the Bears getting a victory and a decisive victory at that? It has been almost a year since we hosted a Bears victory episode. Almost a year. Remember, their last win was against the Patriots in late October. And finally, after 14 straight games, we get to talk about a win. And a win that wasn't like some crappy dog shit, Matt Nagy-esque, 17-14 squeak out type blah type of win. I mean a win where we saw some legit fun and cool things and that we can look at certain aspects of this team saying, hey, you know what, maybe there's a slight glimmer of hope here and there. Uh, because a week ago, we weren't even sure if this team could win a game. I think a lot of us were questioning if this team can win a game. We are now no longer the worst team in the NFL, and we can say we saw our team score some points for the second week in a row. So it it does feel very good. Yeah, and we saw a much different tone with the game. The Bears, (laughs) right off the bat, they won the the toss and they decided to take the ball, which was a good sign. It meant, hey, we're we're not messing around. We want to go and and try to score right away. And uh, that's it's pretty rare. I mean, I I can't remember when taking the ball at if you won the toss or the coin toss was in vogue, but it's been several years. I mean. I think they saw they said something like ninety some percent of teams that win the coin toss defer to this. Um, they they took the ball and immediately they they had a deep pass to Darnell Mooney that wasn't completed. Uh, Darnell Mooney had a bad read on it, but they were really being aggressive. Yeah, and that the next thing you know, you find DJ Moore and you're in the end zone. And I obviously you look at the game and. Probably the biggest story was DJ Moore, right? I mean, when you go off and you have three receiving touchdowns and 230 receiving yards on eight catches, I mean, that's 
that's a good day at the office. And he kind of called the game at the end when Fields threw that risky pass. But yeah, DJ Moore come up with it and take it all the way to the house for a touchdown. I mean, that like you said, that set the tone right away. The fact that you went out there, scored on the opening drive, and you targeted your number one wide receiver, and he was able to get the job done. And, you know, there was the first play of the game where you rolled your eyes when it wasn't complete to Darnell Mooney, but at least they didn't stay away from that type of a game plan. We're like, all right, let's keep being aggressive downfield. They were, and it worked out. It's funny. Um, you know, you look at the the DJ, uh, DJ Moore stats, and they're just absolutely ridiculous. Um, I'm back in a fantasy football league this week, and my opponent had DJ Moore on the bench. <laughs> Actually, you know what? I think somebody in our league, too, had him on the bench. Uh, that was, that was the sweetest thing is not only did he go off, but my opponent had him on the bench. Um, and so, uh, in my league, he was at like 49 point something points. Well, he didn't, you know, the numbers aren't like insane, but I did have Khalil Herbert on my bench and until he got hurt, he was having a nice night too. Um, you know, it's, I think that. As we talk about this game and we talk about the successes, I feel like the thing that kind of gets overlooked a little bit was the run game because I thought the run game was very efficient in this one. Um, yeah, I still don't like the the run pass ratio that they had. Um, you had uh, running backs still get less carries than then fields had attempts but um, everyone got hurt yeah i i you know that sort of skewed things is you know roshan johnson only had three carries and khalil herbert only had 10 and then you had blossom game with eight carries and they were sort of like in junk time because you I, were I down still, to just him basically not basically that was it um well i mean you could have maybe put valus jones but they didn't uh, I mean, I guess you could. Wouldn't have, wouldn't have been good. I'm just saying. But I mean, when Khalil Herbert was playing, like not only was he playing well, but the offensive line on the ground game was doing pretty well as as well. Um. Yeah. I mean, the outside your actual running backs, not not your fullback running or your quarterback running. Um. Bl- uh, Roshan Johnson was averaging over six yards a carry and Khalil Herbert was averaging over seven and a half yards a carry. So they were, um, they were really pounding the ball pretty good. And you're really starting to see the right side of that offensive line look good, uh, with Nate Davis and, and, um, your rookie right tackle, Darnell, Wright. Dar- Darnell, Wright. I, you know, I gotta say, pretty impressed so far you know we're we're seeing some you know rookie mistakes here and there but and that's know, gonna happen and i know bears fandom will never separate darnell Wright from uh what's his name that the eagles drafted oh, jalen carter, jalen you carter. Should. and you should and and again i'm gonna reiterate his if both players end up being good then we we I mean, I think we made the right choice either way, but if both players 
become good. Even if Jalen Carter has a much better career, I think we still made the the right choice. Um, is but you know, listen to any former offensive lineman talk about about Darnell Wright, and you're going to see them glow. They love talking about him. He's super athletic. He's just powerful. And, um, you know, sure, we've seen we've seen some gaffes here and there, and that's just him learning because they're basically putting him on an island. They don't give him chip help. They don't they put him on an island and um, and he's holding his own. And whenever you have an offensive tackle that's on an island and he makes a mistake, it's so much more glaring than a defensive tackle when they make a mistake. Because when they make a mistake, like, oh, hey, somebody had a long run or they didn't get a sack. There was no quarterback pressure. The pocket remained intact. Meh. Um, But when Darnell Wright makes a mistake, like in that first drive, he got beat pretty good by Montez Sweat. And and that's not a knock. Montez Sweat is was a top pick. I think he was a top 15. He's very good. He's very good. Um, And he's going to you're going to you're going to see him get paid after this season. And, um, you know, he made a good move and, and Darnell Wright, uh, got, you know, beat by him, but, you know, he went right back to work and had a great game. Yeah. I mean, that D line on Washington is no joke. And I felt like, you know, there were times in the third quarter where the offensive line was breaking down, but you saw early it was holding up fairly well. And, you know, like I mentioned before, the run game uh, worked really well because Khalil Herbert had some holes to run through and that, you know, that's thanks to the offensive line. Um, but, you know, to your point, there's going to be rookie mistakes with Darnell Wright. I mean, that's just, that's, that's part of having a rookie in the NFL, especially on the offensive line. But, you know, you watch the replays and the tape breakdown of just like how, insanely hardcore Darnell Wright goes out there. Like you, you know, you want to point at some bears players and whatever, and, you know, use the word soft. I'll tell you what Darnell Wright is not one of those soft players. No, <clears throat> definitely not. Um, but you, you look at the pro. Fo- I mean, I know a lot of people don't love pro football focus grades, but they give you at least some sort of measurement that, uh, you can take away from Darnell Wright had a 75.4 rating against one of the better defensive lines in the league. It's pretty darn good. Yeah. Um, And the only thing that you could take away from that, you know, being better is, uh, is when Tevin Jenkins was in there, Tevin Jenkins had an 81.2. Didn't what? give up. Didn't give up a quarterback pressure. I've said it last year. I'll say it again this year. Now that we've seen him play, he is a difference maker on that offensive line. He is more than just a guy. Remember last year, midseason, you know, even though we were losing games, we saw that line hold up better when Tevin Jenkins was in there. And then he got hurt against the Eagles again. He was out for the rest of the year. And again, things just really went to shit after that. But when Tevin Jenkins is in there, it's it's a big difference. It really is. And 
no better time for him to come back when they were playing a really good D line in Washington. Yeah, because you know, you really needed it and you saw that the offensive line, while they held up enough, if you look at the pro football focus grades up and down that offensive line, it was it was, you know, Jekyll and Hyde differences. Tevin Jenkins was eighty one point two. Uh Darnell Wright was um seventy five point four. But Jatire Carter, who split reps with with Tevin Jenkins because he was coming back from injury was at 30.1. That is terrible. Larry Borum was at 44.3. Yeah. Cody Whitehair was 48.5. So it was, um, it was, you know, uh, a much different ball game. And I think once you have, and I don't know the, the status of Braxton Jones, um, I'm hoping he's back after his four weeks. Um, but if he comes back and I know people will, will be, oh, he, they, we need to upgrade. He's been pretty solid. Um, I think having him with healthy Tevin Jenkins and I don't think white has played particularly well, especially some, some bad snaps, but He's a lot better than Lucas Patrick. A lot well, better. To your, well, to your point about Cody Whitehair, it was very noticeable when he came in because every snap was basically over Fields' head. Uh-huh. Um, I think that's going to be a, a big focus for the Bears to address is, um, is the center position. I think it's time that, you know, you part ways with Cody Whitehair. He makes a lot of money, and I think – I think at this point you you feel confident enough that you can upgrade over him. Um, yeah, and I mean I'd you know I'd rather have him on the side of the line than in the center of it, but I mean if Lucas Patrick is hurt then you I know mean, Lucas, Lucas Patrick I mean is not saying he's good, but I mean you know Cody Whitehair at this point is not he's the third best guard. Right. He is nowhere. He's nowhere in the same conversation as a healthy Tevin Jenkins. No, not even close. Not even close. And, and honestly, even in the best, if if you're comparing best of Tevin Jenkins to the best of Cody Whitehair, and Cody Whitehair at his time was a pretty darn good offensive lineman. I think Tevin Jenkins is a much much better offensive lineman. Um, uh, yeah, absolutely. It, it is. You know, if you can get him healthy, um, and then Nate Davis is playing pretty well. Um, so you're, you know, you're, he's either a center or a backup. And I still think Cody Whitehair is a better blocking and center and a better, uh, offensive, uh, protection caller than Lucas Patrick. Um, but in the off season, that's going to have to be a huge, uh, um, emphasis of the, of what the uh, the Bears do is is upgrade at the center position, probably, yeah. probably yeah. with a young draft pick. Um, but you're set on the for a number of years. You're set. Uh, I mean, you're gonna have to give a contract. Probably, Tevin Jenkins have one more year left. I don't know. Whatever Tevin Jenkins is due, I think he's one more year left. But you know, you got next year. You got your left side set up. It's that uh that center position 
And I really want to see Tevin Jenkins stay healthy. I mean, that is so big. Oh, yeah, absolutely. Um, you know, but you're looking at Cody Whitehair. If how much does he save you if you cut him in the offseason? And I believe, isn't Cody Whitehair the longest tenured bear at this point? He it's either him or your long snapper. Yeah, long snappers are people too. Sort of. <laughs> <laughs> sort of. Um, let's see. You save over nine million dollars by cutting Cody Whitehair in the offseason. That's a lot of money. Yeah, that's a huge number. Um and you save another $12 million cutting Eddie Jackson in the offseason. That's which like a, it kind of feels like that's coming, right? Yeah. That's I mean, there's he is not earned earning his money. He had a good year last year, and he's he's either been hurt or playing poorly this year. Right. So, I mean, and he got hurt last year too, after he was good, you know, in the first half. Oh yeah, absolutely. Um, you know, you let's see what's Tevin Jenkins. Um, so, you know, you cut those two players and you're at $132 million in cap space. He's Tevin Jenkins has next year is the last year of his deal. Yeah, because he was drafted by Ryan Pace. Yeah, so 2021, 2022, 23, and then 24 is last year. And I would, if he stays healthy this year and next year, you've got to look at him as a a long-term lockup candidate. Yeah, you do. And, I mean, here's the thing. He's got to prove that he's healthy. I'm not worried about his performance. I'm just worried how long he actually stays on the field. Right, right. And it's it's a legitimate concern. And, you know, it, there's been talk of is does he tough it out when he's, you know, the difference between being hurt and being injured? Does he, uh, you know, what's his definition versus other players? And I don't I can't answer that. I don't know who can answer that. Um, but, you know, the, the question is, is it a question of is will he play through being in pain versus, you know, when he's not injured, but he's in pain, does he play through them? And, or is he just have a lot of bad luck and having, you know, lots of injuries? Well, you got to remember too, when Ryan Pace drafted him a few years ago, uh, he was coming into the league already with injury issues. Right. And he immediately had a back injury, which was different than the back injury that he had in college. Right. Um, and those have shored up, but then he had a neck injury last year. And then um, this year was uh, both calves. Um, you know, it's uh, the neck one seems like a fluke. The back, as long as he doesn't have to keep having back issues, I, I, I'm less concerned. Back issues are just so tricky. That's the thing. Um, but, you know. We've got him for this year and next year on a cheap contract. Yeah. See everything you can do with him. Oh, absolutely. Absolutely. And, you know, if he's not going to be 
if he's going to keep having injury issues, you know, then you move on and you, you know, pay him. And it sucks because you know, you know, whoever pays him or takes him next, he's going to, he's going to ball out. So um, we're talking about paying players. So I'm going to bring this question up now. Are, are, are we going to start to think about extending DJ Moore here? Uh, I mean, doesn't he have like three more years? What's his deal? Oh, no, he's got next year's his last year. Right. That's what I'm saying. So um, it's not like you have to make the decision this year. But if I mean, maybe not talking about it right now, but like if come end of the year, you know, he keeps playing the way he's playing. Because I mean, right now he's a stud. He's an absolute stud. The yards after the catch he gets. I mean, when it clicks with him, I'd say he's the best receiver we've had since Brandon Marshall. And I, I realize we've had Allen Robinson, but DJ Moore, I think, is a different animal. I mean, this guy is playing 100%, 100% of the time. Uh, can't always say the same thing about Allen Robinson. Uh, so this this is a talented guy here. And if he keeps playing like this, I feel like he's got to be a, a long-term piece. I'm going to give my thoughts here. These are these are Sean thoughts. These are not, uh, you know, what I anticipate the the Bears doing or anything like that. These are these are specifically my thoughts. Okay. You it's it's got to be front of your mind that you want to lock him up long term, but. Before we start, we might have initial conversations, but they'll just be, you know, uh, initial conversations. I'm not doing anything until we see what this team looks like for the rest of the year. And I know we're when we go back to talking about the game, we're going to be talking about how Justin Fields had two incredible games back to back. But they're also against two of the worst defenses. And I want to see if this is a corner that we've turned or if this was a, you know, this team, this team's going to stink again when we play a, a, a good defense. And I want to see, because if, if this is a, an issue where, you know, Hey, Justin can ball out against bad defenses, but against good ones, he falls flat. And at the end of the season, we wind up with, you know, a top draft pick. You have to consider that it has to be on the table that when you fire your head coach, that you don't saddle your new head coach with your old quarterback. Because that has been the story of the Bears. Oh, we're not getting the best out of this quarterback. Let's bring in a new coach. And then the new coach is like, they don't want that quarterback. It's not their quarterback. They do the best they can and it doesn't work out. So then they bring in another quarterback that still doesn't work out. So then they get rid of the coach and then they saddle the new coach with the old quarterback and it never aligns. If, if Justin Fields doesn't pan out, you have to seriously consider trading him for what you can get and bringing in a new coach who has input on your new quarterback and you start them together. You start that clock quarterback, coach, quarterback, coach, and DJ Moore, you, you know, you sort of, uh, you try to bring in young receivers because 
you know, uh, by the time, you know, you get that in that second year, he's like 28 and you kind of want to have a younger receiver to pair with your young quarterback. And, you know, you sort of reset the clock. Why are you going to keep aging players and not saying that's old, but why would you keep aging players when you're rebuilding your organization? So I think a little bit of it pans out or, you know, plays out with how does this offense keep going? Sure. And if you see Justin Fields continue to look good and DJ Moore, that connection grows, then obviously, I mean, I still in the, in the camp that, you know, you've got to, you, you've got to fire your coach. Oh yeah. I, yeah. This, um, but, this to me doesn't change my opinion on the coaching staff. Um, But because we're we're going to be mad at them come next week i know we are but you know if if they they look competent and they look good and you're like man we pair them with a real offensive mind this could really go places then yeah you're looking at extending him um and you're picking up Justin Fields fifth year option at this point i'm not thinking about either one of those things because you you know, even though you got your win, you're still you're still the number one and number two picks in the draft if the draft were to start today. Yeah, no, I mean, there's a lot to play out here. And I mean, you obviously, you know, you make the point about uh, Justin Fields and, you know, the opponents he plays. I will give Justin Fields this is that when he played against Washington, what did we talk about that Washington was really good at? They have a really good defensive line. So that means, you know, the offensive line has to face the pressure and he has to place the pressure. And, you know, obviously kind of middle of the game, third quarter, you saw things really slow down uh, with the offense. But, you know, I, I feel like, too, that we can look at these past two games for fields and say, yeah, we want to see him keep doing this. We do want to see him against better defenses. That's all fair. And at the same time, I think you can look at it and say, okay, you legitimately like what you're seeing from Justin Fields. You like the throws he's making downfield. You, you like the fact that in this game, he was better at making decisions while under pressure. He he didn't take the sacks that you kind of slam your uh, palm against your head like you did previously. He was actually able to get the ball away a few times when he needed to get the ball away a few times. So you really do hope this is learning because you know what, when you have two games where you've thrown eight touchdown passes and, you know, over 500 yards, I, you know, the hope truly is, is that is a building experience there, there, but you still see the things that Justin Fields needs to work on. You know, those swing passes that are, they just, those really need some work. And you feel like if you have, the downfield throws starting to come together and you have the anticipatory throws come together like we've seen the past two games and you see the decision-making being a little better when under pressure, you feel like some of those other little things are probably going to be a bit more workable as long as those other things continue to improve that have been improving. Right. Um, I'm looking at the DVOA stats. And the Washington Commanders are 24th overall 
in DVOA. And Denver is 29th. So they're 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 not especially good. Um and you know, we're we're gonna be facing the Lions twice, who right now are third at DVOA. And I Lions are gonna crush us. I mean, that's just um and they they looked really good against Carolina and helped us out. Thanks, they did. Thanks, thanks, Detroit. I actually think Detroit might have the argument of being the best team in the conference. We'll see what Sam. We'll see what happens tonight. Yeah, I mean, with Sam I mean, Fran. I mean, honestly, whoever wins tonight is is going to get that title of you know, which is in season week five best. NFC team because uh, um, you know the, the two of the three playing each other but Detroit has played really well the, and that team is scary and I mean they have so much young talent they're not going to be going anywhere anytime soon yeah so our our next game is against the Vikings and the Vikings for, for the first half played real tough against against uh the Kansas City Chiefs, and their defense is 14th in DVOA. So it's going to be a good test where it's not, you know, I I like the fact that we've had two bad defenses where Justin's been able to play well, get that confidence under him, and then we're stepping up the competition, not an incredible amount. I mean, Vikings are good, but they're, they're the bottom of the top half of the league. I'm actually surprised their stats are that good, honestly. Uh, um so it's it's going to be so it's like a step up. I mean they're they're better defensively than than You're better you're better than the Broncos, that's for sure, yeah. And overall, I mean that defensive line is stacked for Washington, but overall they're you know the Vikings are still better. So you get to step up in competition without you know, if, if we were playing the Lions and we went from playing, you know, two bottom feeder defenses to the Lions, I think that's that's a recipe for disaster because, right. you know, right. you come in going, oh, I'm playing well. What we're doing is working. I think the the Vikings will give you enough resistance to build up where you're like, oh, OK, some things aren't working, but these other things are working. Gives you that confidence and to feel better about what's what's working and what's not, um, you know, and then. After that, we got the Raiders. The Raiders are, they're not good. They're thirtieth. The only the Giants and the Bears have a worse defense than than Oakland. Um, let's see. Who's you mean Vegas? That? Sorry, Vegas. Vegas. I still call them Oakland. I honestly, I'm not. I, I don't want to judge you. I still call them <laughs> Oakland. Uh, I mean, I remember when they played in Los Angeles. Uh, but. Um, then the Chargers. Where do the Chargers fit in here? Um, oof. Chargers are 12. So that's a pretty decent defense. Um, and then uh, you get the Saints after that. And the Saints, the Saints have been real tough. Um, I statistically they're 18th, but man, I watched, I mean, they stifled the Patriots today. Yeah, they did. And we watched them play some other teams where they just played them real tough. Those corners, those corners are 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 real tough. 
This is going to be a great matchup with DJ Moore, definitely. I they they are tough. Yeah. So, you know, we've got we've got some things to work on before we we get to the the Vikings. I mean the uh the the Lions. Yeah, for sure. And you know, frankly, Sean, here's the thing about these upcoming games. If we continue to see Justin Fields play well and DJ Moore continues to play well and the offense is moving and scoring, it sounds a lot like last year, and we're kind of tired of consolation prizes, but if you can at least take that away, then I think you start to get more glimmers of hope as we move forward because then you can truly truly see, hey, we figured out some things offensively. We like our quarterback. You know, our quarterback is is able to continue to throw down field more efficiently like we've seen the past two weeks. Like those are the kinds of things you want to see more than anything, because I I mean, it, the defense is not going to get drastically better. Even honestly, even if we get our cornerbacks healthy again, I there's no it, pressure. But, there's no pressure. I mean, Jervon Dexter had a big jump in play. He had a really good game. Yes. But, you know, Walker and Ngakwe are not getting to the quarterback and none billings has been okay but justin jones has not been good and zach pickens has not been good and you know overall that defensive line is just brutal and i mean you saw they had five sacks against washington but weren't several of those in garbage time when the game was over i mean yeah that and you know the the washington offensive line is not very good well and and i'll give i'll give the bears this they played legitimately good defense in the first half. They they actually did get some pressure um, on the opposing quarterback. We saw Billings had the sack early on. Uh, I mean, they were they were actually playing well, and it, it did help too that Washington didn't run the ball at all. I mean, it was literally all passes. But you know what did we see in the second half? We saw them get the ball out quickly and get them basically picking apart those second, third string cornerbacks and safeties we had out there that that secondary is banged up as hell. And when you're playing soft Tampa two coverage, all you have to do is just quickly get the ball out to your receiver in the middle of the field. And they got plenty of room to run. Yeah. And, you know, I want to talk about we like, Oh, our defense got a bunch of sacks. Sam Howell is the most sacked quarterback in the NFL this year. And we Justin Fields is third, and we've seen how many times he's been sacked this year. Sam Howell has been sacked 50% more. Yikes. That's crazy. Um, where you look at Jared Goff has been sacked seven times this year. Which is a third of Justin Fields. Yeah, I if the Bears collect one sack against Goff in both games, I'd be shocked. I would be real sharp. I mean, they might get a coverage one maybe, but I would be shocked if they get one between the two games. Yeah. I mean, it's it, it, the Lions are going to put up 45 plus. It feels like in each game. I mean, that's that team is killed. is built to just destroy us because we play soft coverage and we can't get to the quarterback. I mean, in the second half, it, it drove me insane when Sam Howell drops back finds a guy it's it's like it's third and 11 whatever 
Third and 11, third and 12. He drops back. There's Washington's got a guy in the middle of the field, but he's like four yards out. So you dump it four yards out and they have all that room to run to pick up the first down. Like that stuff, it it felt like they were playing prevent defense the entire second half, basically. Oh yeah. I mean, they, they were, um, they were just, it was soft. It was super soft. And, uh, you know, it's, is what it is. It was kind of a lose lose because here's the thing. You are playing soft coverage and you're letting them get a lot of space in the middle of the field. And you look at Sam Howell, he had well over 300 passing yards by the end. And they didn't really do much in the first 300 passing yards. Yeah. Higher secondaries basically hurt. You know, but it was also a, um, they were, they were just preventing the big play, prevent the big play, make them march up. Yeah. It was the, the, the lovely philosophy is, um, let them methodically march down the field and then hold strong down at the end. It runs a lot of time off the clock and they wind up with three points when you're, and you know, in this game, I think a lot of bears fans at some point or another in that game, even though the bears won handedly by the end, they, there was points where you were like, Oh man, is this going to be another collapse? Oh yeah, absolutely. I mean, you remember the first uh, drive of the second half? They marched down the field in ninety seconds. Yeah, I think we were all worried about it, and then, um, you know that that one touchdown that sealed it. Uh, you know, honestly, that was very close to being intercepted. It was mm-hmm. uh, you know, the ball was a fifty-fifty ball, but the the defensive back had the position. Um you know, could have, could have taken that like sauce Gardner would have taken that. Um, but you know, it wound up being sealing the deal for the bears. You know, there's still things Justin Fields needs to work on. And, um, you know, those fourth quarter turnovers are number one, first and foremost. Yeah. I mean, bless DJ Moore for being as good as he is. Um, and you know what? It was nice, too, that we didn't turn the ball over at all. That was very, very nice. And, you know, as shaky as our defense looked at times, they did generate a few turnovers. The uh, interception by Stroman was a really nice play. And then you forced a big fumble later on in the game. I like Stroman. You know, he was he played super well last year in a really tough spot. And he's played this year and um you know, the, uh, the other, um, uh, who's the other rookie cornerback, the one from Minnesota, um, da, 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 uh, Terrell Smith, Terrell Smith. He had fantastic game between Stroman and, and Terrell Smith. You know, honestly, you start asking yourself, do do we extend Jalen Johnson? I mean, Jalen Johnson is really good. This is not a knock on him, but it's never if, healthy though. If if he's not going to be fully healthy, and you've got 
Terrell Smith and um, Stevenson and Gordon when he's healthy is you're like, all right, that's, that's pretty good. You know, where we're not having to spend $20 million on a, on a cornerback. And you know, the, the name of the game is you gotta, you're going to have to pay somebody some point, but the longer you can get away with younger, cheaper players, the, the better you are, especially when, you know, we're getting to that point where we got to shit or get off the pot with Justin Fields. And do you remember when we were at this point with Jay Cutler, mm-hmm. where it was like, oh, hey, smart pe- people would have been like, you know what? We're just going to use the franchise tag on him until we figure out if we want to give him long term money. But the Bears were like, nah, let's just give him long term money and then cross our fingers. <laughs> yep. You don't want to be in that spot with Justin Fields, you know? Um, Justin Fields right now is still tied for second in most touchdown passes in the NFL. Mm-hmm. Um, and at eleven, so and that's that's effectively after doing nothing in the first two games, right? Um, you know, it's it's funny we've talked about how bad Justin Fields season has been you know before these first two weeks but i want to i want to extrapolate um da, da, da. He, you know, one, one, three, divided by five. he's on pace for 3886 passing yards and 37 touchdown passes if those are the numbers we got by season's end, we will we'll be doing cartwheels. Oh yeah. I mean, 3,800 yards passing, um, 30, 37 touchdowns and, and then probably I'm guessing like 600 ish rushing yards. Uh, yeah. yeah. <laughs> so I mean, could be like last year. No, but um, I, I still think at some point there's going to be a game where he just, just runs. Maybe that's the lions. Maybe, that's Maybe you... I was just going to say that. Maybe that is the lions. I mean, if, if they've got your receivers locked up, you know, you take off and run and break, break them down. I mean, that's the thing is look at the dolphins last year. They were, they were just, they were, their coach yelled to Justin Fields, stop it. Like, what do we do here? You know, Um, that's that's kind of the thing is at some point you've got to you've you know, even even if he's trying to be a pocket passer. You've got to allow him to have some creativity with his legs because it's it's we see we've seen Aaron Rodgers. You know break our backs with like a 17 yard run mm-hmm. when we thought that was bottled up. We've seen Patrick Mahomes break off a 15, 20 yard run when they were, they had their backs against the wall and get a first down. And those are nice, but Justin Fields has that capability to break off an 80 yarder. And, and just that just, especially if you have, cause a lot of times when those runs happen, it's when the defense has everything bottled up. They've got every receiver clamped down and, you know, there's nowhere to go. 
and they've they're gonna either get a sack or an incomplete pass, and suddenly Justin Fields is breaking off a seventy yard seventy yard run, and you're like, what do we do? We literally did everything that we were supposed to do, and he he broke us, and then you know sometimes that's needed. It's just a game changer. When yeah. the defense thinks that they have you locked up with nothing and they're about to get the ball back and you score a touchdown, that's that's a that's a big momentum shifter. Absolutely. You know, and Justin Fields just has to learn the difference of, you know, and, and Luke Getze needs to learn it too, because Luke Getze wants Justin Fields to be on the move, but he keeps just doing that sweep to the outside. It never works. And it doesn't work. I mean, this worked better. This week worked better than any other, but, um, you know, uh, the, the second drive after you had that amazing first drive where you went deep a couple times and you had that touchdown pass, um, to DJ Moore, you come, your defense stuffs, stuffs them on third down and um and you get the ball back and you're like okay we can really take momentum here and you start off the second drive with that tired ass sweep play and i i think i think the designed runs are a bad idea i think you need Justin Fields to be able to feel out when a play is there with his legs. Right. If, if passing just isn't there and you have a lane, take off. Just take off. You know, do like the, this is, this should be as, as the game starts slowing down a little bit, but it's, you're going to see it, the shift a little bit is while it's still fast, you go first read, second read, maybe third read, run. Doing that progression, read, read, run, read, read, run. And, and then as it slows down a bit, maybe then you scan back, read, 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 scan back, run. Um, but at some point, you know, you've, you've got to allow him to do what use the gift that God gave him yep. and, and just let him take off and run. We saw what a difference that was last year and, and you ultimately, yeah, you want him to have a long career and that involves staying in the pocket, but you don't want, I mean, the run running is not what's going to shorten his career. It's the run with the big hits. Right. So if he's got 20 yards and then he just slides, doesn't take a hit. That's not taking years off his career. The Cam Newton, why it took years off his career is because he didn't, he, he hit every collision head on. Yeah. Um, you know, Justin Fields like use that athletic ability. Let him if he sees, and I I like that he's starting to think of all right, as he starts to break, he's forcing defenders to either commit to trying to stop him or coverage, and he's still looking to pass all the way up to the line of scrimmage. I like that. We've seen some good things happen there. And you know, at some point though, you got to shake that up a little bit, and because you're now throwing it most of the time, you don't want them to have you be predictable. Is sometimes just tuck it and run, make a move, you know, juke somebody out of their shorts. 
nothing, nothing makes a defender feel worse than getting absolutely juked out of their shorts. Ask Brian Urlacher when he got juked out of his shorts by Tom Brady. Yeah. And you know what? Justin Fields can do that. He's very absolutely. good at it. He can, he is athletic and fast enough to juke anybody, anybody in the NFL. Um, let's see. Uh, the bears finally utilized the tush push. Hell yeah. You know, what's funny. It seems like since they, in it, you know, use that everyone's like, Oh, why is the tush push a thing? But like when the Eagles did it, like I, maybe that's just me being a, a bitter fan, but it seems like since the bears implement it, like the commentators on TV were just like complaining about it. It's like, really the Eagles have been doing it. And yet when the bears do it, it's a problem. Like really? I'm going to say this. That should be a, a not legal play. Oh, I agree. But I mean, but if as long as it's legal, you should utilize it. Right. It, is you've got Cole Komet back there and you've got a powerful running back or uh, quarterback is you line them up and you just push, you know, like if you have the personnel to do it, like Carolina can't do it. Is Bryce Young is way too small and frail to, to do a tush push. That's Someone try to tush push him and he'll he'll go flying. <laughs> he'll go up. He'll be a wedgie on some offensive lineman. <laughs> uh, but the uh, I mean I don't know if you've ever seen Carolina. Anytime they have a quarterback sneak uh, spot, they bring in Andy Dalton. Yeah, I mean, are you surprised? No, they're like you know what, old man, his earn earn your millions. Um, but the Bears have Justin Fields. He's 6'3", 230. He's a big, strong guy. And you put that offensive lineman right or the offensive line right there, and then you get Cole Komet doing a tush push. Yeah, go for it. We saw Cole Komet do a tush push, and we didn't see a direct snap fake with Cole Komet. Yeah. It was wonderful. Yeah. I mean, I, I'm going to say this again, is that against Denver when you made that terrible call, like – I'm fine if you try to get a you try to get them to jump and I'm fine if you take a timeout but you don't run a play after that is if you if you line up and you're trying to get the offside or the false start and you want to run a play you have that play ready and and then you snap it when they think you're you're done you're just going to stand around and you catch them flat-footed because they don't want to jump they know you're trying to get them to jump catch them flat-footed when you call that timeout, then they know you're running a play and they're ready. So if you call that timeout, now you better you'd better just kick it. But yeah, that's you you just gotta be smarter about some of these plays. Um let's see. I'm just looking through my notes here. Uh that second drive, there was a big run, it was 30 something yard run by Khalil Herbert. Yeah. And Davis and Wright just opened up a massive hole from him. Oh yeah, I mean he could have just waltzed through that hole. That was that was a thing of beauty. And that's where I go back to talking about the uh the run game and how effective it was and that was a team effort. Like I said, the offensive line was blocking very good for the backs and the backs were having good games until they all got hurt. Which sucks cuz now Khalil Herbert's going to be out for a few weeks. Did we did we know that yet? Yes, yes. Okay. So, um Dante Foreman's going to be our number one back, which, hey, you know what? Dante Foreman's a solid veteran back. He's experienced, so it's not like you have a nobody back there. Um, you just you hate to see Khalil Herbert get hurt because that dude can really play. 
he can. And, you know, you, uh, Deontay Foreman is a good quality back, ran for, um, for like 900 yards last week. Um, last year. Sorry, last, no, last, last week. week. He, last week he ran for 900 yards to stomp the record. Um, but he ran for like 900 yards. So he he's a good running back. Yeah. Um, it, well, do we, have we heard about Roshan Johnson and concussion protocol yet? Uh, I haven't seen anything, but I haven't really looked. I mean, the nice thing about with all these injuries with the bears in that game was the fact that you get like the mini buy. So, you know, you played on Thursday, you're not going to play again till next Sunday. Uh, so that is kind of nice, but, um, you know, wasn't Travis Homer hurt too? Didn't he have a hamstring issue? He, yeah, he has a hamstring, but you know, you don't, you didn't bring him in to be a running back. Um, no, you didn't, you know, he's a blocker, but still, uh, you know, he's, he's your special teams guy. Um, uh, Oh, look, the Bears signed Darrington Evans off the uh, Buffalo practice squad. They did. So he's coming back. I, I liked him. You know, I thought he played pretty well. I was surprised they didn't um, re-sign him. But, uh, you know, he'll be. So it sounds like Roshan, they're not expecting him. But, I mean, you know what? If he's in concussion protocol, there's a, a solid shot that he is able to be back for the next game. Um. But man, that collision was was legit. Mm-hmm. Like you watched that and went, "Oh, oh wow!" That on on you know, did but his uh, you know, death day. That was that was him playing the puppet strings. There, he was like, "I want to see a collision." Um, uh, we have to talk about that, right? We do. I kind of want to get through the game, and then we could talk about Dick Budkiss. I'm just saying we can't forget. Oh no, 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 we'll never forget about about him. Um, let's see. Uh, Tevin Jenkins got worked back in. Um, uh, um, you know, at at half, you really had Washington locked down. I mean, Sam Howell at halftime had like 50 yards passing and their their stud running back had like 20 yards rushing and you were up 27 to 3. Ron Rivera looks stunned. And my concern and even though you got the victory, why I'm still fully in the we need a better coaching staff is is they let this become you were up 24 points at halftime and you you shut their shut them down defensively and were doing whatever you wanted offensively they had a much better halftime adjustment than you yes yes they, has this team ever adjusted well at the half no and you know i know the final score was you know they gained on you in the second half but they they were making it a game at the end you scored uh, 10 points at the end because you got the big play to DJ Moore and then you got the turnover on downs in their territory so you could add a field goal on top of it. The third quarter, you played bad. Yeah, that was that third quarter was rough on both sides of the ball. 
the difference between the Denver game and the Washington game is your collapse was in the fourth quarter against Denver. And this one was the third. You had that fourth quarter to kind of regain the grip and come back. Right. No, absolutely. I mean, it's, it's good to see that the bears didn't crumble this time after the pressure was put on, but you know, again, it's, you know, a combination of things, both sides of the ball, your offensive line uh, was starting to break down a bit in the third quarter and your defense was just getting cooked. They were getting the ball out and, you know, getting those wide open receivers playing soft coverage, made some big plays. It just, it, it looked like it was going to be another disaster waiting to happen yet again. Um, but, you know, again, that fourth quarter, like you said, they regrouped really big that uh, Sly missed that field goal that kind of set up the Bears putting the game away. But if he hits that field goal, it's a one score game. I mean, that's it, it gets really close then. Yeah, um, you know, there's there's some things on defense that are still just it. It's mind numbing is the poor tackling. Like I get, I get if you're not able to get the pass rush there and I get if you just don't have the horses with the injuries to cover some, some stud wide receivers, but you didn't get beat by their stud, Terry McLaurin. Like he, he had less than 50 yards receiving. Like you didn't get beat by their stud and they didn't run wild on you or anything. It was your, it was a lot of it was poor tackling and that's something um, that's something that is just mind numbing that this coaching staff doesn't address the, the missed tackles that you've got to wrap up. You just, there got were to- several times where they could have tackled for a loss and they ended up getting yards. Very frustrating. Um, but yeah, the third third quarter was just a, a bad. You came out of the halftime and just you you didn't adjust anything. You didn't have you weren't prepared for adjustments that were going to be made. You've got to be ready with a counter punch, knowing that they're coming back, and you just did. You were given play. the ball willingly back to them to start the second half too. You knew that, and and I get that. You know some of the things you might have wanted to do were were tough because your running back situation, but you've got to be able to, I guess, uh, react and, you know, utilize short passing game as a running game or, you know, try to get your tight end more involved or, uh, you know, there's, there's things you got to do. You got to get this team in rhythm and, um, you know, try to try to run this clock down and and preserve your lead. Or if you're not going to be able to run that clock down, you've got to try to just pound them into the ground like Detroit did to the uh, Panthers today. They were just like, all right, you know what? We're just going to keep scoring. I'm feeling kind of decently good that we could get a first pick again looking at the Panthers. You know, the Panthers aren't bad. They just don't have their, I think they're a fine coach team. I just, they don't have the, the horses. 
Um, I think they're going to steal a game here or there. Uh, they just got a really, t- I mean, right now they've got a really tough schedule. They do. I mean, that's fair. That and I think fair. that's, I think that's working in the bears favor. Um, because like, I mean, you look the, one of the, when you have a tie record with the, the draft, it ends up going to the team with the, the worst strength of schedule. And that's why of the one win teams, the bears have the weakest strength of schedule. So they move to the top. So right now there's two, four, six, seven teams with one win. The bears have the, the easiest strength of schedule. So they move to the top That Carolina pick on one hand. It's good that they have a really tough strength of schedule. It's a five seventy five, but it's good for them getting losses, but man, if they get, if they get a win under their belt, like had Carolina pulled that game out against the lions right now, and we're one in four, instead of having the number one and number two picks, the bears would have number one and, um, 75, one and seven. That's a big difference. It's a huge difference. Well, because... I said on I said on Twitter that that Bears Carolina game is going to be the biggest game for the Bears this year. Oh yeah, um, you know, and the hope is that Carolina is just so bad that you know you get that win as the Bears, and and pad your, you know your your pick the compensation pick, but. Um, that's, you know, if they're both if they're both middle of the pack, you're like shit. Like, what? How do we root for this one? Um, let's see. Next week, Carolina has the Dolphins in Miami. You feel like Miami's just going to boat race them. They should. They get the bye, and then they play Houston. That's a potential for a win. Houston's not very good. Uh, Colts is a winnable game. They're not very good either. I think their quarterback got hurt again. Yeah, um, he did. You come play the Bears in Chicago. Um, then it's Dallas. That's a loss, probably. Go to Tennessee. That's a tough game. They're playing. They're starting to play better. Um, go to Tampa Bay. Tampa Bay is not that bad. Then you go to the Saints, and you feel like that's that's going to get a that's an ass whooping um atlanta that's a winnable game and then you get the packers which i'm guessing the packers will win then you go to jacksonville and i'm imagining that's playoff implications so jacksonville is probably playing tough then you play tampa bay again so that's that's a i don't see a whole lot of wins in there yeah, let's just hope uh hope they keep losing. Yeah, I mean Atlanta already kicked your ass. Um so it's I don't know. I mean you hope that would be how what a kicker would that be if Carolina traded all that to get the number 1 pick? And had they just waited, they would have got a better quarterback at number one and kept DJ Moore. <laughs> yeah. Um, but man, 
the the dream scenario the dream scenario is the bears the bears figure out that Justin Fields is the dude and you're like man this is our guy he's playing really well and you still you're still losing games cuz your defense sucks so you're losing 35 37 or something um and so you still get your good draft pick and then uh, Carolina winds up with the number one pick. You get that. And then you get an absolute haul for Caleb Williams. Cause you can't, you can't draft number one. If you're the bears. And if you're no. just, if you're quarterback, no, even if the guy, there's a guy you want, like you've got to capitalize on that. You don't have to trade all the way back to nine, but you look up the haul that, uh, that Houston gave up to move what from three to two or three to whatever this year, this past draft. And that that's worth, worth it. You know, you, you trade back with a team that's like, man, I have the number three overall pick and I really want Caleb Williams. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Well, guess what? (laughs) You better start coughing up draft picks and players. Think about Okay, think about it. Think about it. We have the first overall pick. Justin Fields is the dude. You know who would love to have Caleb Williams? I can list a few teams. The Patriots. Mm-hmm. Definitely be one. Arizona. Arizona. Maybe the even the, the Vikings, I'm gonna, the I'm Giants. Gonna, I'm going to go through the list. Denver. Yes. They're done with Russ. They are but, done with but Russ. What, what can you do, though? You take that L. I mean, I mean, because the, the contract's ridiculous. I mean, you let's see what what would it cost to over the cap here? Um, <laughs> teams, Denver Broncos, calculator, twenty twenty four. Russell Wilson, if they designate him as a post June first cut, uh, it. So let's see. In twenty twenty four, they are currently twelve million over the cap, and if they designate him as a post June first cut, it does not change their cap number. So they're screwed. So they're going to have to make cuts anyway. No, no, it's it just messes a. It's so. I mean, this year I think there's a way to get out of it. I think they can do it. They I think they can cut him, and it doesn't change their cap number for 2024. They'll still they'll still be 12 million over. They're going to have regardless of whether he's there or not. I'm just saying, as a team, like I mean, that's that's a that's a bad spot they're in. Um, I mean, you know, there's. Green Bay was probably in a worse spot. They figured it out. I but I I think they had more talent on their team and they're better coached. I mean, you know, here, let's see, post June one cut. Is if you cut Russell Wilson and Garrett Bowles, you are you're back in the in in good territory with your cap. And I think that's what's going to happen. So I think Denver is Denver would love to have that number one pick. 
Minnesota ready to move on from Kirk Cousins. Um, so I think they would love it. Uh, I think the Patriots would love it. Arizona, the Giants, Vegas. Um, uh, the Jets are stuck with Aaron Rodgers. Washington, I don't know how they feel about Howell, if that's really their dude or not. They seem to like him. But I don't knows? I don't think they're nearly as desperate as like the Patriots because Mac Jones is not it. No, Mac Jones is not that dude. Um, Tennessee's got two young you know, Cincinnati. I'm gosh going backwards from Tankathon from the draft order. Uh, Cincinnati, they got their dude. Tennessee's got two young guys. Um, I think the Rams might be interested. Sure. Um, Packers, no. Chargers, no. Um, Texans, no. Saints, no. Falcons, maybe, but that, they're just so far out of it right now. Um, Colts, no. Buffalo, no. Baltimore, no. Seattle, no. Dallas, no. Pittsburgh, Pit Pittsburgh, they're they're never going to be good enough to get one of those. To trade up for Caleb Williams, um, even though I'm sure that they would, they wouldn't mind moving on from Kenny Pickett. But there's Agreed. there's plenty of teams right now that are in scheduled to pick in the top ten that would you could stay you could stay in the top five and get whatever edge rusher wide receiver you wanted. I mean, you could get. Because Drake May is in that conversation too. I mean, dream scenario would be, uh, you know, somebody, somebody at two is doesn't want the quarterback, and you you trade you trade to three, and then trade number three to four, or you trade back to. You know, you trade back to two, then back to three. So Drake May and Caleb Williams go back and you get those double dip. But I mean, I think you're probably looking at the edge rusher from Florida State or the the edge rusher from Alabama uh, or Marvin, Marvin Harrison Jr., Because we we haven't talked a lot about this yet here, but Chase Claypool got traded. Yes, he did. And I I don't know enough about what's happening inside the locker room. But, man, it feels suspiciously like this was a message to don't cross the coaches. I know was it he Courtney wasn't a... Cronin that asked the question about the coaches and he said no? Yeah, but he also said, didn't she also asked, did you tell him to stay away? And he said, no, we wanted him here. And that was clearly a lie. That was, yeah. that, that was 100% a lie. We got con- we knew it was a lie when he said it, but we got confirmation later that it was a lie. So I, I don't believe that. that. you know They didn't bench him after that awful Green Bay game. 
They didn't no. bench him then. But then you bench him when he makes comments about the coaching staff. Yeah, I mean, it's listen. I'm personally I think you needed to take an L on that move and move on. I really do. Maybe I just you we've given him plenty of chances and he and he hasn't delivered Jack. Right. But I'm going to I'm going to say this. I don't know if Darnell Mooney is a dude. And if if God forbid DJ Moore gets injured, this offense is going to collapse. Oh, of course. And you need another dude. We've seen look at you know look at Buffalo. They have Stefan Diggs who's really really good. And he just, if you blanket him and take him away, they don't have that other dude. No, uh, but- Minnesota just drafted a dude in Jordan Addison, who was really good. And, and he plays complimentary well. And we're going to see what happens now because Justin Jefferson got hurt today. We're going to see what he's looking like as the dude, but the bears just, we we hoped we had that three headed monster with Claypool as as your big guy, and uh, Mooney as your fast guy, and and DJ Moore as your your stud, and really we just got a stud, and you know Darnell Mooney is just not moving the needle, and you know Scott Scott has not done anything, and you know Valus Jones they don't they don't give him a shot to do anything and we know equanimous st brown is he's a blocker he's a fringe roster guy so who you know you need you need to step up and i think dj moore with marvin harrison jr suddenly makes you have the best wide receiver tandem in the nfl oh sure sure but you know what to your point of all that Here's my thing with Darnell Mooney. Do I think he's a solid dude? Yeah. Do I think sometimes he's a tad overrated? Yes. Um, I don't want to say he's insignificant. I don't want to say he doesn't have value, but I mean, it's pretty clear. I, 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 I'm cool with Darnell Mooney, but it's, it's clear. He's not in the same ballpark as DJ Moore, obviously. Um, But either way, either way, I was very defensive about the Chase Claypool acquisition last year and going into this season, I was like, okay, you know what? I want to see it play out. I wasn't ready to write Claypool off yet, but man, after these games, I just, there, there clearly was not anything there. And if there's some sort of rift again, I don't know the extent. I don't know if this is the coaches being overly protective of themselves. I don't know if there's more to this rift that we know of, but I'm I'm totally okay. I, I'm not I'm not okay that the trade didn't work, but they they took the L on this. And I'm like, okay, you know what? Because the story and the drama was lingering for two weeks, I'm kind of just glad it's out of here, frankly. I'm gonna say this. At the end of the season, Darnell Mooney will be an unrestricted free agent. 
what kind of money are you trying to throw at him? Because honestly, he's going to be looking for 10 plus million dollars a year. Yeah. You know what? If he wants that much, I think he's going to need to prove it. And that's, that's my feelings about Darnell Mooney. I don't dislike Darnell Mooney. I have nothing personal against Darnell Mooney. It's he's, he's got all of the talent. It's, and I don't, and honestly, I don't know what percentage it is that the offense is not putting him in a position to get open or, um, or if it's Justin Fields and him are not on the same page, I don't know what it is, but I I can't justify giving him a big contract because he's really done nothing in the last couple of years. Well, here's here's a few things I'm going to say about Darnell Mooney, both good and bad, is that I felt like, you know, it felt like he was able to get open against Washington. It just, it, it didn't feel like him and fields were in sync. That's what I felt like in this last game. And the other thing I'll say is there are times I wish Darnell Mooney would just catch the ball over his shoulder and stride. I feel like there are times he tries too hard to slow down and completely turn around and make the catch with his back to the field. You know what I'm saying? Instead of just keep running and catching the ball in stride, he he turns around and tries to grab it with the two hands. And I feel like we see that slow him down and the ball goes over his head. Like we saw in the first play of the game. I just, right. sometimes I, I think he does that a little too much. Yeah. I am putting my notes. That first play call was him adjusting poorly. It wasn't a bad, I mean, it wasn't a great ball, but it wasn't a, it wasn't a, bad ball by any stretch he misplayed that one here's another thing i want to ask your opinion about you remember when there was the no pi call on mooney in the end zone that was that was shitty that was a pi i agree but could you you know what my initial reaction was a number one catches that despite the pi Maybe Fair. I'm being a little too harsh and I'm not saying it's an easy catch, but I feel like someone with hands like Justin Jefferson or Cooper cup or even DJ Moore. I feel like despite the, the contact, I, I think an elite receiver makes that catch. So windy city gridiron is looking at a Mooney contract extension as something along the lines of, uh, two-year, $33 million. That's a lot of money for... I know wide receivers are paid, but that's a lot of money for him. Um, here's here's kind of how I see it. I kind of see it like I see Dave Montgomery. Good player, replaceable. Yes. And, you know, he... The thing with Darnell Mooney is if you you can't pay him and then draft Marvin Harrison Jr. That they're just a bad optics. But you need to have some additional talent otherwise. 
I think I think you need to give opportunity more opportunities to Scott and Valus Jones Jr. to get involved in this offense, especially now that um, Claypool is gone. I think you have to involve those two because you have to figure out what you got. You have to involve Scott. You I think have, like I forget he's on the team sometimes. I still think Valus Jones Jr. can be a a respectable player. I, they, I'm not as sure, but that's just me. I'm more sure about him than Scott. I I liked Scott coming out of college, and I liked when they drafted him. I don't like what I've seen so far. No, I mean, I, I'll admit, the little we have seen has not looked great, but I don't want to judge after five games. It is. He hasn't. He's not good enough at catching punts to be the punt returner. So he can't, he can't do punts. He can't do, he's, you know, he wasn't as good as Valus Jones at returning kicks and he has not done anything in the offense. So he's really done nothing. I mean, um, uh, that's not to say that he can, but it's, we haven't seen anything yet. Um, right. So there's, there's a steep, drop off after DJ Moore in our wide receiver play. And I think, I think Getsy's gonna, I mean, this is part of the reason why I think he needs to go is he needs to make the offensive or the wide receivers that he has better by his play calling. I mean, look, when Cooper cup was hurt, they, what round was that, that guy on the, uh, on the Rams drafted in um, uh, what's his name? Let me pull up there. He scored touchdown today. Um, Rams stats. The uh, Nakua Nakua had 71, 11 cat or seven catches for 71 yards and a touchdown. And uh he was where was he drafted? Um Puka Nakua. Um Puka He was a fifth round draft choice and he was replacing Cooper Cup. Now that Cooper Cup is back, he's still catching for 71 and a touchdown against the Eagles defense. We need a guy like that. And you have to ask yourself, is Sean McVay creating that guy? Or did they just luck out and get that guy in the fifth round? Maybe a little both. And Sean least, McVay's a good coach. You know, DJ Moore is a legit dude that can be that can win even with a bad offensive coordinator, we need to see Lugetzi be a good offensive coordinator and get the most out of Mooney, get the most out of Jones, get the most out of Scott and, and build these guys up and, and make them winnable players. And I, I don't think he can. Um, Hasn't given us a lot of faith yet. No. The most he's done is adjusting and using DJ more properly. 
and and then you know it's you almost have to try to not use your number one DJ. fucking wide receiver. Yeah, you have to try to not use DJ more effectively. I mean, when other teams are like, bro, they are not using you properly. You know that's bad. Yeah, exactly. Um, so yeah, I still think there's a lot of things that this team needs to do better. Um, oh, I, obviously, th- this this win did not do a 180 on this entire thing. Uh, no, not at all. Not at all. I, it was a happy win. I'm happy for it. Hell and yeah, me too. There's things that they did right, but there's still a lot of things that they need to get better at. We saw yeah. we saw a lot of things get masked, and I'm happy for them because I thought Washington would, you know, I thought we would see uh, basically that Browns game uh, where they just pounded Justin Fields. The one where Matt Nagy should have been arrested for. Yes. That's what I was expecting to see in this game, and we didn't. So there's there's a lot of things to kudo. I just we've gotta we've gotta be better. We've gotta get better with this team. Yeah, you got you gotta take these steps in stride. You wanna keep seeing perfor- uh performance improvement. You wanna see Justin Fields continue to grow off these two games. You want to see the offensive play calling grow over these past few games. You want to see more of your receivers get involved. You want to see better play by the offensive line. And listen, when we saw Tevin Jenkins in there, we saw the better play. You just, you want to keep improving on these things. Whereas like, like I said, with the defense, I don't think you can expect much more with this, this, this scheme, these players, this personnel with the defense, they are what they are at this point. Yep. Um, but, uh, let's, let's move on a little bit to Dick Budkiss. Mm-hmm. Um, Dick Budkiss passed away the other day and right before the game. Yeah. And he was, he was the epitome of what the NFL is just a hard nosed guy who loved to play football. He just loved the game and he was so good for the Chicago Bears, and he was inducted in the Hall of Fame uh, shortly before or shortly after I was born. Um, the guy, the guy was just incredible, and revolutionized the the linebacker play, and um, it's it's a tough loss for the Chicago Bears. You can argue he was the second greatest bear of all time. Yeah. I believe the top 100 ranked Chicago Bears by Chicago Tribune had Buckus at number two. Um, I want to I, I want to point this out. The 1965 NFL draft. The Bears drafted Dick Budkiss and Gale Sayers. Yeah. In that same draft. That's got to be one of the best NFL drafts ever, right? Oh, I mean, how do you top that? You draft two future Hall of Famers within a a few picks. And, like, not only Hall of Famers, but 
Gail Sayers and Dick Buckus are two of the most celebrated football players, period. They weren't, they're not just, you know, there's guys that are Hall of Famers. And then there's guys that are Hall of Famers. Those two are Hall of Fame uh, in the Hall of Fame. Right. Like they, they are considered top 100 all time players in the history of the NFL. When people hear Dick Buckus, they know exactly who he is. Yeah, it's it's unreal. Um, but yeah, in that draft, there were, I think, four Hall of Famers. And two of them are the Bears. Dick Budkus, Gail Sayers, Joe Namath, and Fred Bolitnikoff. Joe Namath wasn't a bear, but that's a, that's another pretty notable name. Yeah. But you know, Dick, Dick Budkiss was just the epitome of what we look at as a Chicago bear. Um, he is a born Chicagoan and he went to Illinois, uh, and played for Chicago bears and just, you know, had his his career cut short by injuries, um, and it's a shame that he never had the opportunity to play on a really good team. Uh, but you know what? What was tough is that he ended up having to sue the Bears, um. Because he you know, a contract situation where he retired in the middle of the contract, and uh, you know there ended up being a big rift between George or Dick Budkus and George Hallis, and you know you're just glad that they were able to, or the the team and and Budkus were able to sort of reconcile uh, reconcile those differences, but uh, you know he's <clears throat> you know they the awards. They, there's an award named after him mm-hmm. and he's um it just i mean the guy was one of the most feared players of all time yeah fiercest player that uh ever put on a chicago bear uniform and it's it's not even particularly close i mean honestly he might have been the most feared player in NFL history. Sure. I mean, there's there's an argument to be made for that. Absolutely. He never held back. No. Nope. Uh, so it's, uh, it's sad to see him go at 80 years old. And, um, you know, I, I, I wish, uh, you know, peace for his family and, um, you know, it's rest in peace, Dick Budkus. It was, it's great to the, you were Chicago bear and, you know, that might be my next Jersey I get. So I'm done buying active player jerseys, but you know, my latest Jersey was Gail Sayers, Gail Sayers, Walter Payton, Dick Budkus. Those are fair game. Richard Dent, Dan Hampton, Mike Singletary, Steve McMichael, my man, Bronco Nagurski. You want to go have, way back? I've got a Bronco Nagurski jersey. Hell yeah. I've got a, my jerseys, I've got Devin Hester, 
Justin Fields, a Brian Urlacher, a uh, Bronco Nagurski, and a Walter Payton. That's a, that's a solid collection there. That is a very, very solid collection. Yeah. What about an Ed Grange jersey? Or a Sid Luckman? I... Th- I think I think people would be like, what? Like Nagurski, you, you sort of know because that's a that's a Chicago Bear name. That's oh a, yeah, that's a Grabowski name. Um, but like I don't know, like Sid Luckman. I think people just know because he's he's the least sad quarterback in our history. Yeah, uh, but I, I, there's just you know there's so many other players that that you could go. I mean, Jim McMahon is fair game. Oh yeah, Jim McMahon's absolutely fair game. He's the quarterback that won you a Super Bowl. I'm gonna throw a name that is totally fair game that I don't think enough people have a jersey for. Okay. William the Refrigerator Perry. Of course. Maybe I mean maybe I need a fridge jersey. Is I was I was a kid when he got drafted. I was like eight years old, seven years old, something like that. And the this guy was larger than life with the gap in his teeth, and he was a giant of a man. And they win the Super Bowl, and he's in the Super Bowl shuffle. I like it. It it would be like I, I mean, it was just larger than life. That was I mean, this was back before the internet when we only had three channels on TV, and everything you saw was just like the fridge. You know, and I remember the Dallas Cowboys saying that they were going to they were going to unplug the refrigerator and Mike Didka decided to put him as a back and hand it off. And he ran over the two big stud Pro Bowl uh, defensive tackles for the Cowboys and ran them both over and scored a touchdown. Wasn't that the game they won 44 nothing on Thanksgiving? yep. Yep. And, you know, so fridge fair game. But Dick Budkiss is probably number one on that list of jerseys that you need. You know, if you don't have Walter Payton, Dick Budkiss, the two greatest bears. And honestly, it's you've got to feel pretty comfortable in saying there there might never be a better Chicago Bear than those two guys. No, I mean, those were your one and two. And now they're both gone. Yeah. And I, what makes me sad is I never got to see Dick Butkus play. And uh, there's a lot of film of him that, you know, you've never seen because the Bears were really bad during that time. Yeah. And George Hallis did not allow game film to be aired on things for highlights if the team lost. So you only got certain highlights of Dick Butkus because it was the only games that they won. Mm-hmm. And so it's you missed out on a lot of it. Walter Payton. I mean, I got to see the tail end of his career as a kid and just watching him with wonder. And, you know, that headband was like, and I mean, I'm not a crier. And when Walter Payton died, I was a sobbing mess. Um, you know, the Hopman household flooded, uh, Dick Budkiss was, I was, I was really sad when I heard the news, like, but you know, uh, he at least he at least got to a, a nice age of eighty. Yep. Um. You know, and I I wish his wife well. I mean, they have been together since they were in high school. 
Yeah, didn't they get married like right out of high school? Yep, right out of high school. And they've been there's a story that um I don't know if you heard on the radio, Mully was telling, where I guess when he was in high school, um, he went to Chicago Vocational School. Um, and some guys in a car were messing with his girlfriend, and he ran off the football field in his full uniform, jumped in the car and beat the hell out of them all, and then went back to practice. Yeah, I did hear that. Like, that's an amazing story, man. You know what my favorite? Because I, I was watching a bunch of highlights from Dick Buckus after he died. And I just, I laughed so hard at this one tackle he made. Quarterback uh, is running and he comes behind him, like bear hugs him and is like, just going to take him down. But the quarterback, like still mentally thought he was running. So Buckus lifts this guy up and his legs are still churning in the air. Uh, I I heard a story and I don't know if it's true, um, but uh, apparently OJ Simpson's rookie year um, is the, they were playing the Bears and his coach told him, don't run at Butkus. And so they had a run play and they ran away from Dick Budkiss and Budkiss chased the play down and OJ ran out of bounds and Dick Budkiss tackled him six yards out of bounds over the bench and used his body as leverage to push himself up and said, welcome to the NFL, Rook. You know what? I got to ask my dad about that because he was at that game. Uh, that, so I would know it was, that's a story I, I was told and I know OJ Simpson said that Dick Butkus is the only guy that ever intimidated him as a player. Um, and you know, that that's a, a good story. Yeah. Um, I'll, I'll, have to, I'll ask my dad if he remembers a play like that. Cause um, yeah, that was 1969. I believe his rookie uh, OJ. Cause my dad said OJ Simpson's rookie year played the bears at Wrigley field. My mm-hmm. grandpa, and my dad were at that game. Yep. That's that's awesome that they were there. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah, my dad was only three when my grandpa was there for the uh the NFL title game in sixty-three, but my dad remembers being at uh being at that uh that OJ Simpson game. Uh yeah, so um Yeah, so rest in peace, Dick Budkiss, and uh, you know, uh, there'll they'll never be another one like him ever again. Nope, that's for sure. Uh, all right. Um, what else do you want to talk about here? We are right at the beginning of Blackhawk season. Starts on Tuesday. You ready? Yep. I'm I'm very ready. It's uh you know, uh, we've we've seen we've seen I think enough out of Connor Bedard to be excited. I believe he's the one of the leading scorers in the preseason and he hasn't even played that much. No, and, he hasn't. He didn't play in the finale. And I know we've seen the rest of the league kind of clown him a little bit about that penalty shot. But I think they're grasping at straws on that one. 
Yeah, I, okay. So I there, there's one thing I want to say. And this is go- going based on watching his last two preseason games. He's an 18-year-old rookie in the best hockey league on the planet. His personal expectations are through the universe. And I'm not saying this is a long-term concern. I'm saying this is going to be a growing pain this year because no matter how talented you are, whatever league you're drafted into when you're that young and you're just starting off, there's going to be growing pains. Whether it's Michael Jordan, whether it's Tom Brady, whether it's Connor Bedard, whether it's Ryan Gray, you know, you can still put up amazing numbers and be one of the best players out there, but there's going to be growing pains no matter what. I, one of the things I do like at with Connor Bedard is I do feel like early on one thing, I don't want to say I'm worried about it, but tell me if you agree or disagree, but I could kind of see him. If something doesn't go right, him getting a little too frustrated with himself and maybe losing a little bit of focus. Do you share that sentiment or not? Maybe. Maybe. Like, do you remember how disappointed he was that he he scored his first preseason goal was an empty netter? Oh yeah, definitely. And do you remember in that same game when he had that uh, that uh, shootout shot attempt? There was a, um, I think he missed the net on a shot. Looked a little frustrated. Then he came into the middle of the ice. The pass went right to him. And he just flat out whiffed on it. And then he went to the bench and like slammed his stick. It's just, I, I feel like there's going to be a point where he's just going to need to be like, listen, if you get too hard on yourself over every little thing, you're going to lose focus. And I just think that's something he might battle with early on when he gets started here. We'll see. I, it's, yeah, it's just I, a I think, I mean, he's going to have some frustrations. He's also... I think him being on a consistent line is going to be helpful to him. And I think having a veteran on that line with him is going to be good for him. Um, And, you know, he's, it's nice because he has only the highest of expectations for himself. You know, regardless of what we think his expectations of himself are just super high. So, um, you know, there's, there's going to be some letdowns, I think on his part, I don't think any of us are going to be let down. Um, no, it's, it's, he might, he might feel frustration, but I think we've got a good coaching staff in place. And I think we have enough veteran leadership there to keep him, um, to keep him, you know, focused and, looking at things properly. Oh yeah. I mean, when you have a coach like Luke Richardson, who I like very much and um, you know, th- there are veterans that he clearly looks up to like Nick Felino on that team. You have Taylor hall on that line playing with you. Uh, I-, I do feel like that's a really good group to kind of help mentor him as he goes into this game. I think Taylor hall is an important one. That was because... such a good pickup. Yeah. By Kyle it, Davidson. It's I think he's, you know, I think he's still got the ability to play at a high level and also just being first overall in a draft, you know, not that long ago, 
your, um, you know, would have been a draft that probably one of the first drafts that, that Connor Bedard watched as a kid, um, that you watch this guy and, and he's, he can give you that perspective of what it's like with the expectations coming in as the number one overall pick and with these high expectations and trying to live up to it and how to prepare yourself. I think that's not just on the ice, but a lot of off the ice things too are going to be really important. I think that was important pickup for a ton of reasons. Yeah. And he's looked pretty solid this preseason. You see that uh, breakaway goal he had. Yeah. Thing of beauty, thing of beauty. And it, it just, it's the right fit. It's the right type of guy to have on this team. Yeah. And that, that trade, um, you know, Nick Felino, I think is going to be, uh, you know, is a nice player, but Taylor Hall. And I don't, I have, I don't hate on Ian Mitchell or Alec regular, but you know, that was a, that was a pittance to give up for those two players. Oh yeah, absolutely. I I thought that was a steal for the Blackhawks. I mean, that was Kyle Davidson going out there, getting the guy they needed, taking advantage of a team that needed to make moves for cap reasons. Yep. And, you know, I, I, I still kind of had hopes for regular and Mitchell, but you know what, this is, this was a, a much, much better option. You take this, you take this trade 10 out of 10 times. Absolutely. So, I mean, you know, you look now, um, what you have on the team projected going forward, the, the Blackhawks have made, you know, they've set guys down, uh, you know, the guys have been shipped to Rockford. So you're getting a good idea of where you're going to be looking um, at in terms of a final roster. So, you know, you know, you have guys like Taylor Hall, Connor Bedard, Andres Athanasiu, uh, look for a big year for Lucas Reichel. Uh, Tyler Johnson's another veteran you have. Um, we mentioned Nick Foligno. You have Corey Perry out there. So, I mean, listen. This isn't going to be a good team in terms of wins, right? They're not going to win a ton of games. But I think they're going to be in a lot of games. They're going to play hard. They're going to play tough. They're going to give it their all every night. And I think you're going to see a lot of entertaining games, regardless if they win or lose. Because I think at the end of the day, the the defense is still going to have its struggles. Uh, I do like some guys, though. Like, uh, I really like Wyatt Kaiser. I really, really like him. And let's see I, when... Uh... I'm going to say this. I like Isaac Phillips and Korchinski mm-hmm. and... Wyatt Kaiser and Alex Vlasic. Yeah. I mean, Korchinski, I I think he's got a really bright future ahead. That guy's got some wheels on him, but you know what? I mean, listen, Korchinski's a young guy. You have a collection of some young guys going forward. You know, it's, you're going to have growing pains with young guys. And, you know, you look at your veterans, Seth Jones, good, solid player, Connor Murphy, fine. Uh, you got, uh, so, I don't think the defense is going to be the worst, but it's not going to be elite. And the other thing too, is you're going to play hard, but I I don't think this team's going to score a lot of goals. I think their power play is going to be pretty decent. And I think that's going to be important for them to score goals. 
but um, you're right. I think the the it's the question is going to become how do those third and fourth lines look? If you can put together a line, the third and fourth line that just grinds and give you some gives you some tough shots on goal and maybe a, a goal here and there, maybe they're they're okay. But I agree with you that this is not this is going to be tough to find consistent scoring up and down this lineup. Yeah, I mean, you know, you look at those last lines. I mean, you know, Nick Felino last year scored 10 goals, 16 assists, so 26 points. Corey Perry was once a guy who was putting up 30 plus goals a year. I mean, that those days are long gone. I mean, he's Those are long gone. He's here for one reason. Yeah, to kick anyone's ass who messes with Bedard. <laughs> Pretty much. Um He has looked good this preseason. I'll give him that. Uh I think Felino is going to contribute. I think he's going to have a, a, a nice year. Uh, I don't, nothing spectacular. Um, I, I'm maybe this is just me, but based on what I've seen so far, I think Entwistle should make this roster. Yeah. It, it's just a shame. He had that bad blowout the other, the other night. Um, When is the final the final cuts have to be made. I don't even know if I know. I mean, the first game is Tuesday night. Yeah. They've been cutting Sunday today. Yeah. They've, they've, yeah, I know they've cut some. I don't know if they're at their final cut down though. Um, make a, yes, the Google machine. You know, uh, looking at the roster too. There's another question that I have. Are you going to start the season by prioritizing the veteran goaltender and Peter Morozik? Or are you going to start off by saying, you know what, Arvid Soderblom, show us what you got? Oh, I'm 100,000% in the Arvid Soderblom camp. I agree. I'm not saying. 100,000%. Me too. And I'm not saying he's guaranteed to be great, but I would rather see what you have in a 24-year-old goalie when you know what you have in a 31-year-old Peter Morozik. Um, yeah, I... Uh, I I'm, I'm in that camp, and I think, you know, you're not... This is a nice season because it's about growth. You know, you're not tanking. You're not... Like you're trying to, you're trying to develop. And if that's the case, then why wouldn't you try to develop a young goalie? I mean, if you, worst case scenario is you better give him regular starts. You know, he needs, he needs to play bare minimum, bare minimum, a third of the starts of the season, bare minimum. Right. But he should he should be getting like two thirds. I agree. I agree. Um, you know, you're we're gonna have nights where he looks absolutely stellar and you're gonna have nights where you're like, ooh. Yeah, um, uh-huh. And that's part of the growth process. And you, you get those out of your way now. And if if he does what I think you and I expect him to do. 
it's going to be better for you next year when you've got a shit ton of money and uh, you've got a year under the belt of Connor Bedard. Mm-hmm. But that's just me. I mean, I do trust this coaching staff and Kyle Davidson is earning my trust. He is too. And you know what? Hey, remember this coaching staff last year got 20 plus goals out of the current forms of Andres Athanasiu and Max Domi. I still honestly would have liked them to bring back Max Domi. I wish they did too, but you know, here's my guess is what happened. I know they have all the cap space in the world, but my guess is, is that they had a ceiling in which to sign Max Domi and the Leafs, a contending team were more willing to give him more money. And that's possible. Um, I know the Blackhawks got him because they overpaid um, in the first place, but um, it ended up being a good, good investment. It was a good investment. And I think he would have been uh, really, really helpful on this team. But, you know, there's a, there's a lot of good players on this team. And I, I think, uh, I think we're going to see some, some special play here this year. Um, I don't know if I'm going to say this team is going to be good, but I was talking with my friend Brad about this and, uh, and we're just both like, you know, what, what if, what if they're good, not good, good, but like pretty good. Like there, there's a real possibility that this team could surprise us. And, and, you know, last year was a lot of try hard without a lot of talent. This year you've added some talent to the team. If you can get that same try hardness from everybody and you add that extra talent, uh, you know, are they going to, be a playoff team probably no but i think they're going to be a team where everyone when they play them goes man in a two years this team is going to be legit that's what you hope that's what you hope and i i'm kind of looking at the roster right now and looking at maybe potential 20 goal scorers and i think you can put i mean taylor hall's done it you can put him in mm-hmm. that camp you put Connor bedard in that camp andre mm-hmm. seth and see did it last year could Lucas Reichel make that big jump this year and do it? He scored seven and only 23 last year. So my concern about Reichel and Bedard, and it's not anything like, Oh, I'm really concerned about this is I think you need to be careful because I think they both need to be padded with a nice line that uh, works well for them. And and my concern is you if you find a one a line that works for one, it's gonna hurt the other one's productivity or vice versa. Um but I you you've gotta grow them both. And um so it's finding the right line mates for those two players. Well, I think Taylor Hall works with Connor Bedard and then you know, maybe put Ryan Donato on that line. That's and then the with- guy I don't – I'm not sure. Taylor Hall, absolutely. I think you're going to have to play a little bit to who that third guy is going to be. Oh, absolutely. I, I, absolutely. It might take some work. But I, I do kind of like what I've seen from Ryan Donato so far. Granted, it's preseason, but I kind of like what I saw. Um, You know, I think Reichel with Athanasiu is a good fit. 
I think so too. I uh, got to figure out who that third one is. Maybe Kurashev? Tyler Johnson. Kurashev, maybe. Um. Yeah, I think you just have to figure out that third. So it's Taylor nice. Radish. He's you know Taylor Radish had a good year last year. Maybe. Um. So it, it's finding that right lineup because if you find a line where, man, you've got four guys, two guys that work really well with Bedard and two that work with Reichel. That, that, that gives you uh, a lot of, a lot of things to work with. Cause then you have a lot of flexibility with that third and fourth lines where you can fiddle around with things. Um, and, and then start to see your growth of your young players that you're really counting on. Yeah, for sure. Um, I guess the last thing I want to talk about is, you know, baseball is over for the Cubs and we've, I think most of us have been on board. The man really want to bring back Cody Bellinger, but now we're hearing rumblings that they want to pair Pete Alonzo with Cody Bellinger. I like that. Yeah. Listen, Pete Alonzo's power is elite. That is an I mean, elite power bat. That's a guy like is, I mean, we talk about wisdom being like probably the best power bat on the Cubs and Pete Alonzo has more power on accident than, than Patrick wisdom does hitting for power. Yeah. I mean, he's one of the premier home run hitters in the league. He's hitting 40 home runs. Like his his productivity is so consistent. It is incredibly consistent. You you know what you're getting from Pete Alonso. You're getting 40 plus dingers every year and you haven't had a 40 plus home run hitter since Derek Lee in 2005. Yeah. Uh and so that um that find that figures out your your infield corner power issue um i mean would it have been nice if he was a lefty yeah but the guy the guy just crushes home runs yeah you'll take that power wherever you can get it um you know in in 2019 he had 53 home runs 2020 we're not going to look at that just because it was the shortened year um 2021, 37, 40 last year, 46 this year. The guys, the guys, uh, OPS, 941, 863, 869, 821. Um, he is, his stats are just incredible for what you need. Um, I if you could get him in Bellinger, uh, you know, I think that'd be a dream come true. I mean, I I think then there's, you know, I'm assuming Morel has to go in that trade. Um, you know, you might have to deal with with your third base issue, but uh, that really solves you've got short second and first just solidified. Um, 
you've got your outfields. If Suzuki comes back and plays like he did in the second half of, of this year and Ballinger gives you a year like this year, uh, and Ian Happ gives you his average numbers. That's a, that's a pretty potent lineup, man. Yeah, definitely. And you know what? This is the off season where you say, you know what? You want to take that next step, go take what you need to do to take that next step. You're going to have to, you know, part ways with some things that might not be comfortable with, but that's part of the business here. That's why you build up a good farm system. And you listen to Jed Hoyer's end of the year press conference. He did not seem satisfied with the work that was being done. Like that's how you win a press conference is like, you know what? We took a step forward, but we didn't accomplish what we wanted. We want to be in the playoffs. We didn't get there. We got to be better. That's what you want to hear. Yeah, it's it's funny. I agree. I it's what we wanted to hear, but then I don't I don't think I liked Tom Ricketts' comments. What do you expect though? I it's like he just sounded like a fan, and but he's a fan that has a lot of influence on things. Um, do I think David? We I think we've all blamed David Ross too much for things that went wrong, mm-hmm. but he was still a, lot, a factor. He was still a factor. And I think if you really want to cross that threshold is you need to step up from him. Um, I think it's going to be make or break for David Ross next year. I really do. I I think, I think Hoyer is saying, you know what? This has got to be make or break. Here's the thing. An owner going on and talking about his team. He's not going to downsell his own team. No, he's just not what Tom Ricketts says publicly to me holds very little value. He's not going to go up there and say, I'm disappointed in what this is. We should be better. You, you, an owner of a team is just not going to do that. When you're in this position, you're not, you're not pissed off Virginia McCaskey when you go, you know, three and 14, you know, you're, you're a team that just missed the playoffs that took a big step forward. You're not going to downsell that as an owner. I I just, I don't look at his words and take much value with it. And, and, you know, I know there's a lot of people that are like, how much can the manager really do in this day and age? And I go, I've got two words for you. Bruce Bochy. Bruce Bochy wins wherever he goes. You can't tell me that he is not a huge part of, you know, he left the Giants. They've been terrible since. He goes to Texas, and, you know, Texas is looking like, I mean, they're whipping the Orioles like rented stepchildren. Uh, I, man, to have a manager like that with, with a talented team would be sick. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, so if I'm not counting my Pete Alonzo, uh, and chickens before they're hatched, but man, that would be pretty cool. I'm <laughs> with you. Uh, was well, there anything else you wanted to talk about? Nope. I've said my piece. I think next week we'll have to talk some bulls. They had a, a preseason yes. game today. It's been forever. It's been a forever, but, uh, you know, the bears had a victory. So we had to talk about that. 
All right. Well, I think that's going to do it for this episode of Bill Swirsky Sports Talk Chicago. I want to thank everybody so much for listening. Please hit subscribe however you listen to podcasts, whether it's iTunes, Stitcher, YouTube, Google Play, Spotify, etc. Share this podcast with your friends. That will grow the show. Follow us on social media at Swirsky Sports, Facebook.com slash Swirsky Sports, Swirsky Sports.com, ShyFanPat2 for Alex on Twitter slash X or alexanderjpatcreative.com for all the cool stuff that Alex does. And again, thank you guys so much for listening. Until next time, bear down. Cubs win! What a lucky break! The good Lord wants the Cubs to win! We thank Dick and God for all they have provided. Uh, 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 Cubs win! Cubs win! Cubs win! You can have her, she's a Packer fan She can't fit in my van And she looks like Remember New Yorkers, smoking crack is not legal on the plains Bears, 31 to negative 7 The Bears Oh, when the Bears go bearing down